0: How many of you were in the 9.30 service this morning? May I see your hand? A few of you. Most of you were at 11, right? Let me see just a judge. How many of you were at 11 o'clock? Okay, I need to tell you something that I left out of the sermon that I preached at 9.30. Um, Were any of you... you Pardon me, lady. Uh, Some of you were in both services. Uh, You all were? Yeah. Well, someone afterwards said... You never did tell us after the 11 o'clock, I talked about it at 9.30, after the 11 o'clock service, it said, you had a great big sign up there It says, good reward, and you never said anything about what you gave Mr. Ed Blumenthal about the reward. Well, I did talk about it at 9.30, and I forgot uh, to mention it at 11. When I got over to the Blumenthal's house and going back there to get Prentice, I said, now, Mr. Blumenthal, you took Prentice to the vet, and... I know there's some expense involved in that and I uh, want to pay you for that and I want to give you a reward for finding Princess for us and taking care of her overnight. He said, absolutely not. He said, I'm not going to take any reward because I've already gotten my reward. He said, my reward I've already gotten in seeing this pet be restored to a family that loves it. Not going to take anything. Well, we did send them a dozen roses to thank them. But he's right. And I thought of it when Jimmy said what he did. The reward the Christian gets for being a Christian. The the reward the Good Samaritan gets for being a Good Samaritan is not some sort of financial bonus that God tacks on at the end of the day or the week or the lifetime. It's in the act itself. The reward in serving Christ is the reward of serving Christ. you can't outgive him and that's why reward can never be measured in material terms or numerical terms it's not quantitative as Jimmy so properly said it's not in the number of baptisms or the amount of mission dollars or the size of the congregation or where you preach or how big your church is it's in the quality of the commitment that transcends all of those quantitative analyses that we place upon life. That's hard for the non-Christian to understand, isn't it? Because they live in such a digital world where everything is added up, pluses and minuses, rewards, adding and subtracting. But in serving Christ, the reward is in the service itself, and that is incalculable. amen that is true now I want to pick up for just a moment on what I endeavored to speak on this morning about Jesus speaking in parables and the one thing I want out of these few moments to try to get across and, and just going to plant the seed I want you to pray for me and I want to pray for you and I want us to all to pray for each other that we will begin to see that Jesus Christ is still speaking to us in parables. As someone has said, the sin of our time is that we have taken the concrete and turned it into an abstract. So we think that if, if all, all we have to do is just give the word, I mean, just give the Word. No. That's a very important part of it. But there's something that precedes the giving of the Word, and that is being the Word. Being the Word in what we do, consciously and unconsciously. Most often and most effectively, unconsciously. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, where is the flesh of Christ today? You're it. We're it. We're His body. We are His flesh. We are the continuing incarnation of His Spirit in the world. To be going about doing exactly what he did. And how did he teach? How did he communicate? Parables. He helped people to see God in unexpected places and unexpected circumstances and unlikely people. And what I want for me, and what I want for you, and what I want for us as a church is to begin to get more sensitive to what God is doing in our world through people. In a sense, a continuing parable that is his continuing word to us. Oh, not in any way superseding, certainly never impossible to contradict the written Word of God. Following the patterns laid down in the Word of God, God continues to work in our world. I look upon the miracles of Jesus as, as parables also. They are pictures. It was a great day when, they, when Gutenberg in, in, invented the printing press and we were able to get the printed Bible But in one sense, we've lost something because we have it written down. You know, for the first uh, hundred years or so, the church didn't have it written down. The scriptures that they refer to in the New Testament that Paul refers to are the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't have any New Testament scriptures. They didn't have a a Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, etc. in every prison where Paul went, put there by Gideon's marvelous that they are there now wonderful that they are in hotel rooms now but there's with every blessing there becomes an attendant danger potential danger we will begin to limit the Word of God to definitions and to words and to a page and before they had it written down you know the only way they had to communicate it tell it tell stories tell the stories that Jesus told and tell what they mean tell the story and reinterpret it in the life of what's going on in Athens and in Corinth and in Rome that's the way they preached that's the way they communicated for many many years even after it was first written down the copies were few they were scarce most of the preaching was done And people didn't have Bibles they were too expensive only the church could have the Bible and in some places in Europe they had to chain the Bible to the pulpit to keep somebody from stealing it it was the only one they had that's how stained glass windows came into existence the reason they put stained glass windows in the churches in in Europe was not for decoration they were visual aids They put those big stained glass windows there because people didn't have a Bible and many people who might have had a Bible couldn't read but they could see a picture and so the priest would preach off the pictures that were shining through the walls of that church. Later on, stained glass windows became decoration but they were the first Utilization of visual aids by the church. They became decorations after people got copies of the Bible. Wonderful, marvelous that we have them in our home. Many of us have dozens of copies in our home. But something is lost because we don't tell the story. We don't hear it, digest it, Repeat it and apply it to the circumstances of our lives. And what I want to do in my own life and what I want us to do together is to begin to see what God is doing in the world, continuing to do through his people that becomes the stained glass window in effect, becomes the Bible in effect to people who are not going to read it or who have read it and don't understand it. But through us as the continuing parables, through us as the continuing miracles, They begin to see the Word of God. Those little television things that we've been doing now for about four years have been one of the most incredible things that have ever happened to me in terms of of study and reading the Bible. The discipline involved in that has been so helpful to me. It's helped me not just in terms of television... It's helped me in terms of just basic communication. It's helped me in terms of of preaching. Because what we have to do in one minute at the most, and most of the time, most of those are 30 seconds, what we have to do in one minute or in 30 seconds is with a picture and a few words, tell a story. Boy, I tell you, that's a discipline for somebody who's used to taking 20 or 30 minutes to tell that same story. But more than the discipline of reducing the essence of the message to 30 seconds or one minute, what it has helped me do, it has helped develop an eye for a parable and a miracle. And they're everywhere. Everywhere. Listen to what Jesus said, the 13th chapter of Matthew. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables, and he did not say anything to them without using a parable. didn't say anything to them, except by using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. There's a fascinating thing going on among young people uh, nowadays. I've read about it. I'd like to be in on some of the sessions. They've tired of television and everybody has uh, had stereos and Walkmans and all sorts of electronic equipment. You know what's happening in a lot of places among uh, students, they're getting together and telling stories. There are some books coming out now on the bookshelves of America about stories, telling stories. I read one of them when we were on vacation Arthur Gordon's newest book. And thanks to Betty Hendricks, we were introduced to Arthur Gordon and a Touch of Wonder, and I've read it and I've reread it, took it with us again, Betty, and, and read it. Just tell stories parables and you read it or you hear it and 15 minutes later the bomb goes off inside your brain so what I'd like to urge you to do and I want to do it myself start reading the parables out loud You may feel embarrassed doing that, getting alone in a room. Read the parable out loud. Close the Bible and just tell it. Just tell it to yourself. And then say, Lord, help me today to be a parable, to be a vehicle, to be a witness, and help me To see a parable. See a miracle. See a witness that you're bringing to me. Through other people. They're everywhere. They are simply everywhere. One of the marvelous things about learning to do this with somebody else. Your husband or your wife. Your son or your daughter. Is to begin to talk about them. That's one of the fun things that Steve and I do when we're making these spots. Because... He is so creative and he is of the electronic era. Uh, I am, I, most of, a lot of us, are. we have one foot in the Gutenberg era and another foot uh, in the electronic era. And uh, we're, we're sort of schizophrenic. Uh, a lot of people don't read books anymore. Everything they are getting, they're getting by a picture or by a, an image. Listen, everything you read, you get by an image or a picture created in your mind by those words on that page. That's the only way you learn. What's a word? It's not anything but a sound. It's just a sound, and the sound stands for an idea, and the idea is calculated when put with other sounds to paint a picture that you see on your brain. And so we need to cultivate that. We need to cultivate that. We're living in an electronic age where a lot of us are still being educated in the Gutenberg era and wondering why we don't learn. We're learning. We're just not learning what we're reading. So let's cultivate it. Let's get back to first century Christianity. Thank God for the words. Thank God for the translation. But let's start living these ourselves. Let's start talking these ourselves. Let's start seeing these ourselves. Let's start looking for parables everywhere. And they're all around you. And start writing them down. I've, I've started doing some of that. Write down some things that... On the surface, don't appear to be any big deal, but suddenly they become a miracle of God, a parable of God, a message from God to your heart and to your life. Looking back in my life, I can see a lot of them. Naturally, I've forgotten a lot of them. I missed a lot of them. I didn't understand them. I I wasn't looking for them. But I've gone back. I've gone back into my life, and I've started thinking through experiences I had and saying to myself, what was God saying to me through that? What was the message of that parable? A picture really is worth a thousand words. A picture really is worth a thousand words. Think back on some of the pictures in your past. Martha and I were talking about this at lunch today. I want to tell you just one. If you'd been there, you wouldn't have seen it. You wouldn't have noticed it. But I was made sensitive because of the circumstances of the moment. And I saw it. Makes me think of how many were there and I didn't see. But I saw it. It was in the Moscow airport. We had, as many of you have heard this story, had tried to take some Bibles into the Soviet Union, 42 Bibles. Some of you were a part of that crowd. We each had one Russian Bible in our suitcase. We weren't trying to smuggle them. We weren't going and waving them, saying, hey, we're bringing you the Word of God. But we we had the Bibles. We'd gotten them from the Slavic Gospel Association. Russian New Testaments. I had a contact in Moscow that I was going to give them to and he was going to distribute them to people who did not have a Bible. A written Bible. And uh, they confiscated those. To make a long story short, they called all of our crowd back in who had already gone through customs and then they got the rest of us and went through all of our stuff with a fine-tooth comb, took all of our Bibles, our Russian Bibles, They even took our own personal New Testaments and our own personal Bibles, which is contrary to international law. You're supposed to be able to carry one Bible with you anywhere in the world. They took all printed material. They took tape recorders. They took everything. They did give us back the tape recorders on the airplane when we were leaving Russia, but nothing else. Fortunately, I had that little blue Bible that I often use uh, to preach from. I had it in my inside pocket, and uh, they didn't see it. didn't search me personally, so it was the only Bible that was not taken. They took me in a room there and questioned me for three and a half hours about who I was and where I'd come from and why I was doing this. And from one to four people would come in and question me repeatedly, and then they had me write out a whole lot of stuff about who I was, where I'd come from, what we were doing, and uh, then they came in there and I had a piece of paper with all of the confiscated material that they, had sign- that they had taken listed there. And I had to sign it and they gave me a copy. I have it. I have it filmed, uh, framed and it's in my office. I keep it there to remind me of the fact that there are millions of people who live under that kind of system. There it is written down there. I've had people who read Russian to look at it. Bibles are listed. The tracks are listed. All the things are listed there. Standing outside after they'd uh, taken me out of that little room after those hours, and I didn't know where anybody was, what happened to my family or anything, all of our group, but everybody was safe, thank God. I was standing there at the customs counter in the Moscow airport. All of the group was out there outside just suffering on a hot bus. And uh, Stephen had sneaked back in somehow and was standing there uh, beside me, and I was talking to this Russian custom agent, this woman. She was a weightlifter on the Russian team. She was, she was something else. <laughs> uh, and I said, uh, I asked her a question or two, and she spoke fluent English. I said, uh, what will happen to the Bibles? And very curtly, she said, the Bibles will be burned. And I said, even though they're worth 100 rubles apiece on the black market, which is a little more than $100 apiece, they'll be burned. And just a slight little change of expression, not much, but uh, she said, they will be burned. Well, I was standing there just stunned by the whole event. And over there, about as far from me as Bob Lotus is, from me now, right there on about the fourth pew, was were all the Bibles stacked on one of those tables. You know how when you go through customs, they've got a place for your suitcase and a big deal there and they check all this stuff. Well, there was a big desk there where one of the passageways and they had all these Bibles and all of this that they had taken from us, our personal Bibles, tracts, everything. All of it piled up there on this table. And a young Russian custom agent in a uniform, I guess he was military, but in a uniform was standing there while I was talking to this customs agent, wondering still what was going to happen to us, how they were going to dispose of us. Afraid that they might dispose of us. Uh, I looked over there at that young man. He had a Bible open and was reading it. He looked at me and I looked at him. Not a word was said. Couldn't be. I looked at him and he looked at me and smiled and kind of nodded his head affirmatively. If you if you hadn't been staring at him like I was you would have seen neither the smile nor the nod just a touch but just enough touch to say God is in this God is here God is at work his word spoken written lived shared with a smile and a nod however it comes his word will not return void it will accomplish listen to that word it will accomplish what God intends I saw a parable in the Moscow airport on the power of a little seed. You sow it and it'll begin to bear fruit. A smile and a nod. How much more fruit? I don't know. I'm not responsible for that fruit. I'm responsible for that seed share it sow it give it and in your life and in this week watch for God he's going to be there he's going to be at work his parables are going to be taking place all around you and all through you See them. Be them. And the Word of God will be declared. Let's stand and bow our heads. Dear Lord, as we read Your Word, Help us to see your word. As we read these stories, help us to get into these stories. Help us to see that they are our stories, that you want to enact these and relive these and redo these in and through us. That you want to turn us into the miracles and the parables of this day and speak through us. And so, God, we pray that you would give to us an eye for you, an ear for you, a heart for you, an imagination for you. To hear you and to see you and to recognize you. As you are at work in us and through us and through others around us and in this world. We thank you, dear Lord, for your word. Jesus Christ, the living word. And we thank you for the written word. But oh God, help it to be reincarnated in us. And may your spirit make us to be witnesses unto you. Beginning where we are. And reaching out to New Hampshire and to Nigeria and to the office and the school and wherever we go. Tomorrow. And in all of our tomorrows, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Just as I am, I come. We sing an invitation hymn for you to trust Christ, to move your membership, rededicate your life. Maybe some of you would like to come and pray. Just kneel here quietly for a few moments, return to your seat. As a number have done week after week. If you're impressed to do that. You do so. Quietly, prayerfully, meditatively, we sing. You come.